Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. Go Wild has recently partnered with Mountain Tough for a free 30-day workout program designed to get you in shape for turkey season called the Go Wild Challenge. Download Go Wild to sign up and let everyone know in a Go Wild post that you're joining us. Then, each time you do a workout, tag Go Wild and Mountain Tough to hold yourself accountable. Also, Go Wild will be attending the Great American Outdoor Show February 4th through the 12th. If you're in the area, stop by booth 412, meet the guys, and learn all about Go Wild. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show this week. We've got a fantastic episode for you today covering a topic that we have not yet discussed on the show, and that is the topic of bow fishing. Now, if you're a fisherman, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, Josh, sturgeon spearing right now, right? Like, why aren't you talking about that? Ice fishing right now why aren't you talking about that a couple of other things that i could be covering in the fishing realm why bow fishing that seems to be a while off well i was able to catch up with a guy named hunter engelman and hunter owns modified outdoors it's a guide service based in wisconsin that that's their thing bow fishing is their thing and he's going to be uh, at the wisconsin fishing expo coming up february 24th through the 26th now While he's there, he's going to be doing a couple of different seminars. The first one is how to get started in bow fishing, right? This is a sport that looks like you need a lot of gear. You need a lot. You need a boat. You need lights. You need a bow. You need all kinds of stuff. You need knowledge of where the fish are, what the fish are doing. How in the world do you get started? He's also going to be doing a seminar on advanced tactics and strategies for bow fishing, where he's going to dive into helping you get on the fish. Now, we cover a bit of both of these topics in this episode, but really this is just kind of whetting your appetite for when you can go to the Wisconsin Fishing Expo and hear Hunter present on these things firsthand. And if you have any questions, you can go to Hunter directly and he will help you out. Now, you can find his website, modifiedoutdoors.com. You can find him on social media at Modified Outdoors Bowfishing Charters. Or, like I said, you can go to the Wisconsin Fishing Expo where you'll not only be able to hear him present in these seminars, but they're also going to have a full setup where you can just see what is it even like. Like, can I can I see the bows? What does a boat look like that's set up for bow fishing? Now, probably one of the best ways to learn would be to book a charter with him. And that means you get to go out on the boat with him, see how his boat is rigged up, see the equipment that he uses, see how he gets on fish. Just a wonderful introduction without having to take the dive and, uh, you know, do something crazy like buy a boat. I know for me, when I was first getting into fly fishing, that was kind of my easiest way into the sport was to go with a guide. And uh, yeah, it it doesn't break the bank. You need to go check out modifiedoutdoors.com and look at the pricing on some of their fishing charters. It is a really, really good deal. Now, Hunter knows his stuff that's going to come across in this episode. I know nothing about bow fishing. That might come across in this episode as well. So uh, anyway, if you've got any other tips or tactics or anything like that about bow fishing that you want to let me know of, or you want to tell me where I missed it in this podcast, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's my other podcast. So I have a 
second Instagram page for that. Now, as we get going, before we get into the conversation with Hunter, do want to say a big thanks to our partners. Number one, I want to talk about Huntworth first this week. Now, Huntworth just got done doing their winter clearance event where everything on their website was 20 to 50% off. That sale, unfortunately, ended yesterday. So if you missed it, man, ah, stinks to be you, right? Uh, sorry you missed it. But they do still have some cool things going on on their website. I was on there earlier, actually. And any order over $200 gets free domestic shipping. So if you missed out on the sale, but you're still looking to get some Huntworth gear, head over to HuntworthGear.com, fill your card up with 200 bucks worth of stuff, look for a discount code. There's all kinds of discount codes out there floating around that you can grab a hold of, and you can get free shipping to your door of anything that you need from their website. Number two, Tacticam. They are the title sponsor of this show. Those guys have been with me from the beginning. I have so enjoyed representing Tacticam and using Tacticam products. As you know, guys, I do not go into the field without my Tacticams. They're either on my weapon or they're on my backpack if I'm just scouting, but they go with me no matter what. Because, how, man, how often do you go to the woods and you see something and you're like, God, nobody's ever going to believe that. Or, oh, man, I wish I wish I could come home and show my wife that or show my kids that or show my buddies this thing that I that I ran into. Well, that's where Tacticam comes in. You can have it on you all the time. The batteries are cheap. You can stick a bunch of them in your pocket. So you pretty much just leave it on and rolling. That's what I like to do. I have like four or five batteries in my pocket. I put the Tacticam on the bendy clip, clamp it to my backpack, point it in the right direction, and I just walk through the woods. And as the battery dies, it vibrates, lets me know it's dying. I swap out the battery boom, I'm good to go. And right about now is when I'm gearing up again, pulling all of my Tacticam gear back out, making sure I'm ready to go for turkey season. Now this turkey season, I'm going to be using their 6.0 camera. It's got HD footage, waterproof housing, LCD touchscreen, which is huge on this thing. It's fantastic. I'm also still going to be running some 5.0 and 5.0 wide cameras. And those are going to allow me to have cameras out in the spread or attached to the blind with the 6.0 right there on my weapon and I should be able to catch some awesome footage of turkeys biting the dust this spring. So go check them out, Tacticam.com. And then last but not least, Onyx. Guys, I've been doing uh, a good bit of habitat consultation down in Georgia, working with some landowners who want to improve their property for whitetail hunting. So I've been talking with uh, landowners in South Carolina and Georgia and Texas and Alabama and a couple of other states where, you know, Folks are really wanting to know, hey, how can I set my property up better to give me better hunting next year than it provided for me this year? And the first thing that I tell these guys is, hey, you've got to send me your pins. You know, send me a map of your property. Send me where the property is. And then send me some pins. Like, tell me, where do you hunt? How do you access? What do you see the deer doing? And Onyx is great for all of that. If you've got habitat improvement plans for this winter that you want to get knocked out, Onyx is great for just jumping on there drawn up on your map exactly where you want that to be. That way, when you're out there in the field, you can tell exactly where you need to start implementing your plan. If you're not already using Onyx, you can go find them on the app store of your choice and get a seven-day free trial. Or if you have questions, you can go find out more on their website, onyxmaps.com. Now, with all of the commercials out of the way, here's my conversation with Hunter Engelman of Modified Outdoors. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is Hunter Engelman, from Wisconsin. Hunter, what's up, buddy? 
Hey man, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. We had uh, getting a little bit of a late start here this evening for this show, but uh, better late than never. I guess not too late for you. I'm I'm down in Georgia right now recording the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast, so it feels dirty almost <laughs> uh, nice. to be doing this because I'm man, I'm down here enjoying beautiful weather. I think it was in the 50s today. You know, walking around in oh, shorts wow. outside, and uh, you guys aren't quite getting that. Four degrees this morning, man. Four degrees. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it is not four degrees here. Uh, It did get down. So we had a wind chill of negative two this winter, which is very odd for this area. Um, And people did not know how to handle it. Like, it was – I I thought we were going to have to start shutting things down. There were pipes bursting all over the place. The water company was sending out notices like, hey, due to all the pipes that busted, we basically have no water pressure. So uh, please try not to use water. Um, so yeah, it got, it got pretty nuts for a while, but anyway, enough about Georgia. What's going on in your part of the world in Wisconsin, man? Oh man, it's been crazy. You know, I've been just, you know, my mind says one day closer to ice off. Yeah. So, okay. There, there is such a, uh, a dichotomy, I guess you could say between a couple of different kinds of fishermen, right? Like the first thing that we ever really talked about fishing wise on this show was driftless trout fishing. That That's always been kind of my thing, my passion when it comes to fishing. Uh, I've always wanted to fly fish for trout, moved to Wisconsin, got to do it a bunch, and it's great. And so we've had some, some guys on. We've talked about a lot of uh, trout fishing. And then we had some guys say, hey, you never talk about ice fishing. So I was like, all right, let's get some ice fishing guys on. Um, tried to do that. Had one guy on. He did a phenomenal job. Uh, got another guy that sent me a message that I need to respond to. So, dude, if you're the one that sent me a message on Instagram and said, Hey, let's talk ice fishing. I'm going to get to you. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> but you've got this huge contingent of fishermen uh, who can't wait for the ice to come on. And then you've got this other group of guys like yourself who are like, I can't wait for it to come off. So do you do any ice fishing or is, uh, is bow fishing your, your thing? It's basically my thing. You know, I mean, from the moment that ice finally pushes me off the lakes, I mean, I will run till – an axe won't chop through the ice at the boat launch. Whoa. Okay. So I, I run all the way into November. This year was almost a little later than that. And beginning of March, I'm playing Titanic on the riverways. If I can, if I can dump the boat in, (laughs) you best be sure my boat's going to be playing in the rivers. (laughs) Man, that is awesome. That's awesome. So let's, all right, let's, I've kind of, uh, I kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit there, but Hunter, tell me a little bit about you, what you do maybe for a living, and also tell me a bit about your guide service. Yeah, so, you know, my name is Hunter. I've uh, owned and operated modified outdoors bow fishing charters. We started about 2017, 2018. I started officially guiding when I got my OUPB captain's credential through the Coast Guard. Um, and it basically has just grown from, you know, a – uh, a high school fun little afternoon evening thing to do with some friends and family to uh, a very smooth, seamless transition into family coming out on the boat and loving the sport and then extended family and then friends. And that, that pushed me into purchasing a, a 20 foot commercial flat bottom behemoth of a boat um, specifically designed for bow fishing. Um, and that just, you know, it just kind of slow snowballed bigger and bigger into then getting my captain's credential and 
you know, taking out groups of people that then at this point, I don't even know. I don't even know who they are. You know, they just heard of me through word of mouth, friend of a friend, um, and kind of grew into what we have now. So I'm, I'm a full-time journeyman electrician in the state of Wisconsin here. Um, so this is just kind of weekend fun for me now. Now that I have my credential, I can, I have a little more flexibility in my hours, but it's, uh, it's kind of Thursday through Saturday nights um, in, in my free time that I don't really have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, man, I got to say, we were talking off air and you say, hey, it's uh, it's been my weekend kind of free time, fun time thing. But, dude, it sounds like it might not be that for a whole lot longer. I mean, it's it's starting to sound like it's pretty demanding on the schedule. Yeah, it, uh, you know, I, I put my time in. You know, I got to mention that's one of the things that, um, I'm in southeastern Wisconsin here, kind of by Lake Winnebago area. And one thing that really separates me from, believe it or not, there's, I bet you, 10 to 15 bow fishing guides in the state of Wisconsin. Okay. That- Most people, if they have never even heard of that that sport, they would never guess there's that many. Yeah. Um, but one thing that really sets me apart is my dedication to the scouting process. Um a lot of, you know, charters, you're, you're going to get one lake. And if that lake's hot, you're going to have a good night. If it's not, uh, it is what it is. So um, what I like to do is I, I really dial in. I mean, we, we watch lakes from Green Bay to Butamore, Poygan. We go all the way out west to Big Green, which is like the center of the state. Um, we go down south into Milwaukee into some some public lakes, you know, surrounded by houses, um, rivers, lakes, anything and everything. If there's fish there, um, I do my best to cover as much ground as I can to figure out exactly when and where they're moving and how to get the, the clientele on the most fish possible for the night. Man, that's... So let, let's circle back just a little bit. I, I need to hear, like, how did you get into this? Because there are some places that I feel like the bow fishing culture is super, super strong, right? right. Like I lived in Louisiana for eight years. There was a really strong bow fishing culture there. We had a lot of fish that you could, that you could bow fish. There's gar and carp and all kinds of stuff. Really big, chunky fish, right, to, to put yeah. an arrow through. Um, and, you know, I think of other states, like I think of some, uh, there's a lot of guys in Missouri, that have done a lot of it. There are guys in Illinois that have done a lot of it. Wisconsin, not as much. Uh, but right. I have been floating some different uh, some different streams or canoeing and that kind of thing and have just seen some massive carp. And so how did you stumble onto the sport? And then what is it about it that kind of made it take over and become your thing? Because I'm a, I'm a diehard turkey hunter, diehard deer hunter. I can't believe I said turkeys first, man. That tells you where my mind's at right now as we get into <laughs> winter like i'm i've shifted to turkeys uh but like how did this become the thing that sunk its teeth into you yeah so i i remember it like it was yesterday it was junior year of of high school and had a a family friend who had a bow fishing boat a little 14 foot small boat uh invited me out one night me and my brother and let me tell you you know when you're out on the water you have all the lights going the generator some music on in the background, some in me clicked. Like, I mean, <laughs> you mentioned turkey hunting. Like, 
I would imagine it'd be the same for turkey hunters, the same way it was for me. When you, I mean, when you're sitting there and the trees are just full of toms, just gobbling away, just thundering down and you're like, yep, this is it. Like that, that when I hit the water and I got to see them fish, you know, swimming through the shallows and stuff, I knew immediately like this, this is going to be my thing. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell me then about like the progression. So was that the first time that you ever went out that you, it bit you? First time, first time. I tell you what, man, that, that first night I didn't even shoot a fish. Wow. Didn't even get a fish. But the next day I went and got a, uh, a reel to put on my diamond youth compound hunting bow. Oh yeah. Dad was not so thrilled about that. I bet. I bet. (laughs) But that, that next day, it was like a Wednesday. The next day I bought the bow that weekend I bought a John boat and started figuring out how I could rig it up for bow fishing. Oh, so things progressed pretty quickly, man. I'll tell you, it was zero to a hundred. I, I had a bow set up and a boat before I even shot a carp. (laughs) You you, say you bought all the equipment before you even put an arrow through one. Okay. Everything. Dude, that's commitment, man. That's commitment. So where did you learn then? I mean, it doesn't sound like, you know, the folks you went with the first time, it doesn't sound like it was kind of like all or nothing for them. You know, you said you mentioned they had a smaller boat or whatever and, and yeah. it was something that they did. But, like, how did you uh, pick up and kind of get to where you are today with, I mean, obviously there's got to be a huge learning curve. Yeah, there's, you know, you know, there's so many different learning curves on the equipment to use personally with the bows, with your boat setup, your lights, your generator, your your method of propulsion. I mean, I trial and erred, oh my goodness, number of times with, I mean, I, I was on the Facebook forums, watching YouTube videos, typically what you do when you get started, but it's not really until you do something yourself that you realize that was probably not the best way to do it. You know, what if I try this? And so I, I started with the, the halogen work light oh, yeah. from Nards, the $5 halogen burning hot work light. Yeah. Um, and just the loudest generator you'd ever hear in your life. Just, it would just <laughs> rattle your skull and that was not the answer. So then I, I, what was next? Then I went to the little tiny led circle lights mm. and went to a, a, a battery and that would only last like a couple hours but then I was quiet, yeah, which was great, but I needed longer run time. So then, you know, I basically used my knowledge with what I learned and kind of started implementing that and growing a little bit bigger, you know, changing up the deck here. I went from a wood deck to a, a aluminum, aluminum six by six diamond plate deck that my brother and I built on the front of the boat, which made it, you know, that much better. And it's just, the amount of information, if you know where to look and what to look for, oh my gosh, you yeah. know, the, the, the forums, the videos, the Facebook, the Instagram, I mean, you could get lost in it for years. Yeah. It's kind of one of those, one of those rabbit holes, man. So I'm a, I'm a saddle hunter for, for whitetails. And if you know anything yeah. about saddle hunting, man, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. Like you get on one of those forums and it just eats you. You know, and the next thing you know, you look up and it's six months later and you spend a thousand dollars on gear and it's like, what happened? You know? Um, so yeah. All right. So huge learning curve, obviously YouTube forums, all that kind of stuff plays a big role. How did you learn the actual fishing part? Because that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. And 
I don't know the quality of Wisconsin bow fishing compared to some others, but it's not one of those states that appears that, you know, is kind of the, the headliner for bow fishing. Right. Yeah. There's, I have in the couple of years I've done it, I've probably hit hundreds of lakes in the state. You know, I've hit every basically stream waterway. I mean, east side of the state, I've hit um, a lot of trial and error. You know, you can get on a forum and you could maybe get lucky and someone will someone will slip up and say the name of a lake or something. Um, but honestly, it started small with some local lakes and there's you're not going to find many lakes in Wisconsin that don't have a species that you can bow fish. Yeah. So what is legal to bow fish in Wisconsin? I know I've talked to some other guys that do spearing and that kind of thing. Very specific fish that you can spear. And I imagine it's the same with bow fishing. So not everything is free game. Yeah, so no game fish. Anything that you catch a hook and line and you're excited about, you can't bow fish. No walleye, bass, northern perch, bluegill, none of the the game good-eating fish. Okay. Um, Invasive fish is what what we go after. We go after carp, the different um, species and subspecies of carp, um, gar, the long, skinny Fish, you, you're down south. You you know them a lot. Oh, yeah. um, a lot of people don't know we have them up here, but we actually have quite a few of them in Wisconsin yeah. here. Yep. Um, yep. A couple different species of them. Um, we go after bowfin. Uh, dogfish is another slang term for it. Love going after them. And just recently, we actually just, um, some legislation was passed to allow noodling in the state for catfish. Oh, nice. But sistered on to that noodling bill was also the alternative method of bow fishing. Oh, very so, cool. Okay. So legally we can harvest catfish, bullhead, you know, that species of fish, but we have to follow this, the, the local lakes regulations on that. Okay. You can't just go crazy. We, you know, if there's a slot limit, a size limit, you got to respect it. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I'm very hesitant about it. I don't, I don't target them because I mean, for a, a, cha- a, a cat fisherman, if they hook into a 40 pound flathead catfish, that could be the fish of a lifetime. And I tell you, when we go out, if we hit the spawn just right, I'll probably see a handful of them through the night. Jeez. I've seen, I mean, there's, there are people that do harvest them catfish and, We'll consume them. We'll eat them. You know, that fish doesn't go to waste. But 40 to 50-pound flatheads have been shot with a bow and arrow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and my so goodness. And so there is one that I do target, the the, the yellow bullhead. Okay. Um, that smaller bullhead. The most delicious fish that I, in the springtime when that ice-cold water is out there, oh, love them. I'll, I'll target them. I even take charters out. And we, we target these bullheads. They bring coolers and ice. And we even get a fish fry out of the bow fishing trip, which isn't something I get to say I get to do very often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So catfish are interesting to me. I mean, growing up in the South, man, that was like we ate catfish. That was our walleye, basically. And then I moved to a small town in Wisconsin. And I was like, hey, is there any good fishing over there? They're like, yeah, you catch some catfish. I'm like, you don't eat catfish? They're like, no, why would you eat a catfish? Like, it's the most disgusting thing to them. I could, they, yeah. like, I, they didn't understand. But uh, so people do obviously eat those. I think they're acceptable table fare when they uh, 
or with your charter? Yeah, we definitely, we, we go for it. And I tell you what, I actually hold the Wisconsin state record alternative method for the, the that yellow bullhead. No kidding. Yeah. When I did, shot okay. her. Uh, I've got to hear that story. Tell me about it. Yeah. I'll, I got her. So I keep forgetting the exact number. So it was three pounds and almost three ounces. Nice. Nice. So how, how it went down, it was, you know, July 6th or 7th. And I was out on a little local lake on a weeknight, just having some fun. And I had with me my girlfriend, Caitlin and my mom, neither of them really fish too much. They're just, I'm excited about it. So they're excited about it. Just want to be a part of it. And I'm driving around, and there there is known to be catfish in that lake, you know, channel cats. And driving around, and, um, you know, there's a lot going on in front of me. And my mom behind me is on the back of the deck. And she points out, and she goes, ooh, a catfish. And I turn, and I look, and I said, that's either a good-sized channel cat or the biggest bullhead I have ever seen in my entire life. And drew back on it and just smoked it right, right through the head, pulled it up. And I'm like, that is the biggest yellow bullhead. I didn't even know they, they got that big. Yeah. And immediately I was just shook. I mean, I was shaken. I was excited. Cause I knew like something in me was like, this, this has to be a record. Like this has got to be something. If, if anything, maybe it's a lake record or something. And we made it to a gas station. So my, my scale that I have was out of batteries. Mm. Couldn't weigh the fish. I'm like, ah, and I found the, the, the state record at the time, I believe was only 2.1 pounds. And so we drove to a quick trip. We, we called the night off, drove to a quick trip up here, got batteries, put it in the scale and in the gas station parking lot, I weighed the fish and got the, the first, you know, rough, weight of the fish and it was it was by far you know it was it was the state record man so what did that process look like as far as like getting that i guess figured out like what who'd you call next yeah so there's there's an online first of all i had to get it officially on on a certified scale so that next day i called off of work i went to piggly wiggly a gas station in my town and I got it on their meat scale, a certified scale, got a, cert- a picture, the scale weight. And then I filled out the, the application. There's a big, huge application form for it. And uh, then I got a call from the, the local DNR biologist who wanted to meet because with every state record, they have to certify the fish to make sure that it, it isn't a, a hybrid of some sort, that it is truly a yellow, pure yellow bullhead. And so they, were you holding onto the fish all this time? Like how did that? No, that, so that was one night. The next morning I got the the scale weighed and I put the fish on ice. Gotcha. Um, And then it was the following day after that, that I got to meet with the biologist. Okay. So they got to you pretty quick. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fast. And I actually got to meet them at their, their service station there. Very cool. Um, and she was, it was incredible. She did some tests. She counted the barbells. She counted the, um, one of the fins, it was either on the top or the bottom. You count the number of, um, it, what, what makes up the fin, the number of stripes on it basically, Yep. um, to ensure that that number is within the pure 
yellow bullhead genetics. And it, it was, it was a pure yellow bullhead. Man. Um, That's wild. You find yourself sitting there hoping like for something you never would have imagined, like, please let this have the right number of little things. And it's right. And it's yeah. <laughs> never would imagine. Cause she was telling me, she's like, you know, that seems pretty unusual for a yellow bullhead. Like there's a, I guess there's a hybrid that does get bigger. And I didn't know, you know, I was, I saw the color and it was yellow. It was real yellow. But when they get that big and that old, obviously the color starts to distort on the, the top of their back and stuff. Yep. And thankfully it all worked out and I, I hold the state record. I, I've been meaning to, you know, find someone to get a replica of the, the bullhead. So that brings me to a point. If anyone listening knows a, re- a fish replica guy who does catfish, please have him reach out to me or get me his number. Cause I would love, I have the plaque and everything with the record. Nice. I'd love to get that bullhead mounted. Dude, that's awesome. So I, I've actually got a guy that I'm going to text right now uh, nice. here, here in just a minute because he's he's done really good work for me before uh, for taxidermy. And I know he does fish. I don't know if they're replica. I don't know enough about fish taxidermy to yeah. know like, what all that looks like. But anyway, I'm going to text him and see if he does it. And you if do he that. does, man, I'll get, you, uh, I'll get you his information because I've got to go pick my deer up from him uh, when I'm up in April. So... Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game-changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com and share your hunt with Tacticam. Let's dive into the piece about equipment because there are probably guys like me that are listening to this and thinking, man, that's a huge barrier for me to get into. Like I can't go spend the money on a boat, some lights, figure all of that stuff out and buy a bow and have all the knowledge that I need to go out and actually be successful just to see if I actually like doing this thing. So tell right. me a little bit about a, 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 an easy on-ramp for guys that maybe just want to give it a try. I tell you what, there's two things. When, when I'm approached with that question, there's a twofold. There's one, um, obviously with my guide service, I specialize in first-timers. You know, if you've never even heard of the thing, you've never even held a bow before. Um, my job is to make sure, you know, and – a thing that, you know, what the reason why we're called modified outdoors is my goal is to, when I, when I started the company was to modify the perception of what bow fishing is. When, when you hear bow fishing, you think of some redneck back country, homegrown <laughs> Bama boys. That's right. With, with their hunting bows, just slinging arrows. Yep. Um, but what I aim to do is provide a very 
up, you know, a high end upscale um, trip, quiet, comfortable, precision fitted to you with the bow, the equipment, the experience. You, so, you know, when you go, we're set up for success and, you know, everything that you need to have, you have, you're ready to go, the knowledge, everything. So obviously the easy answer is book a trip, get your, get your toes wet, see if you like it. Um, but if you would like to try it yourself without, you know, a commitment and investment into a charter, um, go to your local pawn shop, go to your, your archery shop and find some used compound or recurve. That's, you know, you, you'll always see those bows that are 20, 30, 40 bucks on sale. The big, huge old Fred bear bows or something. Yep. Yep. Um, I've had dozens of friends that use those and they work, you know, you, um, you have the bow, then you just need to get the rest of the equipment. You have to get a specific arrow. Obviously that'll tie on to the, the string. Um, you can get those arrows at any outdoor store. Um, and the, the real there's <laughs> a lot of different types of reels. Yeah. Do you have but, to have a reel or can you just run with like line on your, uh, line on your arrow? Yeah. So you, the, the state, legislation on bow fishing it requires that you uh first of all you have a barbed arrow so you can't okay. throw a rage broadhead at a car <laughs> um that's about all they're good and, for no, i'm just kidding yeah. that's a day oh, <laughs> oh, oh i'm just kidding but i'm kind of so, serious but no. <laughs> so a uh, a barbed arrow it you know in my layman's terms it should be designed for penetration and not removal so it's designed to go into that carp and hold yep um, and it, it must be tethered to something to allow for retrieval of the, the harvested fish and the arrow. So there's a lot of people that I know people that used to take big old Gatorade bottles and wrap line around and around and around the Gatorade bottle and then put the string, you know, get the string attached to the, the arrow and they'd shoot and they'd have to hand, you know, spool it up. But that's, I mean, I bet you could get that stuff for 50 bucks. You could be out fishing with a whole brand new setup, even if you didn't have a bow. Nice. Nice. That's, that's pretty um, cheap. And man, I I was looking at your charters earlier, like they're super affordable. You know, I, yeah. I come from the land of uh, saltwater charters, you know, and so when we're going to go out on a charter, we're talking, you know, getting six, seven, eight guys together and, and hoping we can, you know, make it worth our trip just because of the cost. But this isn't yeah. this isn't that. This is more akin to something you would expect for like a, you know, a, a trip out to the driftless or something like that to fly fish for trout. I mean, we're not talking breaking the bank to get out and do this for an evening. Yeah, you know, and we're we're very reasonably priced, you know, especially in our area. I mean, we're 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 more of an experience based excursion rather than the product at the end of it. Yep. Cause you're not going to walk away with a cooler. You, you can, <laughs> if you want, but I'm not cooking them nasty car for you. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that brings but, up a good point. So guys go out, they, they get the fish, maybe they're successful. Um, what, what is happening with, with these fish? I mean, I think it's important to note kind of at the outset, these are invasive fish most yep. of the time that should not be here. Right. Correct. Like they yeah. damage ecosystems. They cause more problems for the local fishery than they bring advantages. I mean, guys like you, I think, 
help that out. You turn a negative into a positive by saying, hey, we can we can bring in some local revenue through, you know, this experience that we can offer. But you are removing these fish from the from the location. You're keeping those numbers down a little bit, suppressing that. Uh, but what happens to the fish? Yeah, so that's a really great question. So I'll start with um, a little bit of a negative, and then I'll take it back up into a positive. So um, when you're bow fishing, obviously you'll get these carp, and sometimes they're big. And if you don't take care of them right away, they're smelly. And it's actually illegal in the in the in the legislature. It's illegal to return any invasive fish back to the waterway. So if I take a carp. And I shoot it, and it's like, uh, I don't, it's just the one, you know, toss back in the water. If the DNR finds out, you can get in trouble for that. Now, does that, I've got to know, does that go for hook and line caught fish too? I, I would imagine it does. Yeah. I, I cannot say for certain that okay. you, that that is, but you'd have to imagine if that's the case for the alternative methods. I would imagine it would be the same. Yeah, yeah. But I can't say for sure. Either way, it probably should be that way if it's not. Like, the fish shouldn't be there. Like, get it out of there. I mean, guys like you obviously enjoy bow fishing for them, but at the end of the day, it's not supposed to be there. So, uh, all right, so back to the fish. Yeah, You pull them out, throw them in a barrel. Yeah, so the the state, especially the state of Wisconsin, has a severe problem with disposal. Okay. Um, the majority of people that go out, first timers that go out are kids, high schoolers, just like I was. And no high schooler thinks, oh, I've got this barrel of fish. It's a good thing I have somewhere lined up to dispose of these. Mm. It's usually an immediate problem. And unfortunately, the resolution to that common problem is the boat launch or the side of the road. Mm. Um, so as a representative of the state association for bow fishing, the Wisconsin bow fishing association with my guide service and my name and my prominency in the community, kind of the go-to guy when something happens, um, not for accusations, but for attempt of remediation of that. Yep. Um, I can't count how many times I've gotten a call from a DNR saying, Hey, there's 30 carp laying on the side of this boat launch. Like, you want to go pick them up? I'm like, yep. I'm like, I'm hopping in my truck right now for it. Cause <laughs> no one has ever said that on this podcast before. So right? I, not to interrupt you, but nobody has ever been excited to go pick up 30 old carp. From and I a, tell you uh, what, I'm not, but you know, for me, the public image is way more important than anything that I could be doing. You know, when that, when the, when the lake, the local lake association is frustrated by the bright lights at night or the loud generator or the hooting and hollering when we just triple up on carp, um, you know, it's these little things like when they see a, a, a boatload of fish laying on the side of the ramp, that could be the straw that breaks it. And I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we're one or two legislation bills away from not being legally allowed anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too long ago. We couldn't even do it at night. Wow. So it's, it's very sensitive and it's very important for me to, to maintain that pump, that public image because it not only affects my business, but the hundreds of people I know that participate in this activity too. Yeah. So you go, you get the fish, then what? 
So the disposal, I say, go find a farm. You live in Wisconsin. There's farms on every street corner. Go down a few country miles, talk to your farmer and say, hey, man, I got some nasty old invasive carp. You care if I drop them off? I've dropped them in manure pits, in the, the manure spreader, out in the field on a fence line. Really? Anywhere that's not back into the water. Yeah. Um, now they do smell. They attract the, the rodents and the critters, um, the, you know, the raccoons, the coyotes. Um, so there, there are some things that you need to be aware of, you know, when you do dump them, but you know, if you can find a, 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 a place before you hit the water, if you can find a place to dump them, that's, I mean, that's a huge first step yeah. is to find a place. I think that's huge too. Like you just said, find a place before you hit the water. Like right. don't be left with like, oh my gosh, it's three in the morning and uh-huh. I've got to go to work in a few hours. I don't know what I'm going to do with these fish. You know, now I, mean? I, I uh, I'll tell you what I do. So I started with the farmers and now I actually work in conjunction with a pumpkin farmer. So my pumpkin farmer and I, we've been doing this for a bit and we have a really cool system where if I, you know, take a charter out and I take a bunch of pictures, you know, that's another thing that, that I really like to pride myself on is high quality professional picture pictures of the group the fish, the experience, everything to capture that for you. So I take a lot of pictures. I always give them to everybody, blast them on social media. So when I take the carp to the pumpkin farmer, he, you know, he, he actually buries them by each pumpkin plant. That's how good of a fertilizer they are. Wow. He, uh, he does something really cool. And at, at harvest time, if any of my clients come to him and show him a picture of them holding a fish on my boat, he'll give them a little pumpkin for free. No kidding. Yeah. So it's so cool to see full circle. I mean, I bring the fish, I provide the fertilizer and in, you know, full circle from that, then the clients get something in return from that. If they show proof that they help contribute to the fertilizer. Yeah, man, that's so cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And it, it works really awesome. I don't know many people that do it, but it, it's a good sales pitch either way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, all right. You mentioned something a second ago. I want to circle back to uh, a few years ago, not very long ago, you guys weren't even allowed to do this, uh, this at night. So is this a night only kind of thing for you now, or will you do it during the day? And I ask that because one of my favorite places to canoe and kayak is just full of carp and you go through there on a summer day and you're like, Oh my goodness, there are whales in this in this waterway, you know, swimming alongside me or whatever, right. uh, you know, group, like almost like pods of two or three at a time. And uh, so do you do this at, during the day at all, or is this kind of a nighttime only thing? So at first it was about 50, 50. Um, typically at first it was cause I didn't have lights. I couldn't afford lights on the boat. Yep. Oh, so, go. Like you said, it was the middle of July, summer hot in the streams and stuff. And every once in a while you'd see a, a big common, you know, lift up out of the weeds or some, or you'd see them cruising through the current. Um, lately it's been basically all nighttime because of the guide service and the chartering. That's the most desired time. Um, and for me, that's the most consistent time because the daytime it's very dependent on the conditions, the weather, the cloudiness, you know, the overcast, everything plays a role and it, it affects things way more during the daytime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I tend, I, I bet you in the last two years, I've only gone the daytime, maybe two or three times. Oh man. Okay. Um, so it's basically nighttime only. And I love the nighttime when I can get 200 and some thousand lumens of lights blasting all around the boat, creating a halo. And all of my lights are powered by a little Honda 2000, that little inverter red generator. Yeah. That's what powers all of my lights. Nice. So it's, it's whisper quiet. And I mean, just to see the whole, the, the shore, the, the halo around the boat lit up and all the different species, the turtles, the, the ducks and geese and the fish and the game fish and the crawfish and stuff. It's, you know, that's what made, that's what does it for me now is the nighttime experience. Yeah. Tell me, I've got to hear, I mean, I imagine you take groups out. I mean, even sometimes larger groups. I imagine you've gotten into some like pretty crazy scenarios, you know, multiple fish hooked up and that kind of thing. Is there, is there one uh, night or one outing or one group or something like that that just sticks out that you're like, man, this is the paramount of, you know, bow fishing experience that I want everybody to have. We call it the jackpot night. And anyone close to me knows what I'm talking about when I say about the jackpot night. It was two years ago. Um, not going to disclose the body of water, but <laughs> my I scouted all week and I had these fish pinned down. They were pre-spawned. They were moved up in the shallows. They were pushing on each other. They were starting to get ready to spawn. And that Saturday, it was going to get hot. Temperature-wise, sunny. I knew it was going to flip. And I'll tell you, it was the last weekend, second to last or the last weekend in May. And that Saturday, it flipped. Full spawn. I mean, I'm talking hundreds of yards of shoreline. Nothing but carp. Oh, just, my goodness. Just in the shallows between six inches and two feet of water. You couldn't see a thing. It was so The water was so dirty, you couldn't see. I mean, you couldn't see the fish in front of you. They're, they're, the fish had to be out of the water from the amount of circulation that was running through these weeds and stuff. So we had charters that night. I had a five person charter on my boat and my other captain, Jake had a two person on his boat. And I told him, I said, this is going to be the night, you know, we got out there and for the four hour trip, it was non stop shooting. Maybe for a total of 10 to 15 minutes, we didn't have a fish on. Wow. We shot buffalo on common carp up to 30 some pounds. And fish like that, you don't, it's not just a one arrow and pull that sucker in. No, it's, especially with clientele, they, you know, some of them don't pull back as many, as much weight as I'd like, which a fish that big, if you can pull back 40 pounds, you're gonna, you're gonna be all right but a lot of them are in that 30 pound range. So we're throwing three to four arrows into these fish. I'm gaffing them, throwing them in the boat. We're filling trash cans of these carp. We use brute 35 gallon trash cans. We're filling trash cans. I filled all four trash cans. We're starting to throw fish on the floor of my boat. (laughs) My other captain, I call him, I see him in the distance. I say, please, tell me you're on fish like I am right now. And he says, I filled my 150 gallon stock tank 
and we're on the bottom of the boat now. I'm like, I don't even know what to do right now because <laughs> this is this has never happened before in my lifetime. And we shot and we shot. I'll have to send you some pictures after this. We filled every barrel I brought with me. And at the end of the night, we put all the fish together, took a big, huge group picture, threw all the carp in the bed of my truck, took the barrels, and me, my friend, and my other captain, Jake, went back out after the charter and shot till the sun went up and filled the rest of the barrels back up. What? So you guys went back out after the charter? We went back out, man. We, we uh. shot the four-hour trip, loaded the fish in the truck, threw the carp in the back of the truck because we wanted the barrels to go fill them back up again. And we filled uh. every single one of them, man. My shoulder has never been more sore in my entire life. Holy cow. So when we're talking about uh, time of year, I mean, obviously that was a special a special evening. That was uh, the jackpot. Hard, hard to re- recreate that. But like, is that time of year typically really good? Like, are you looking for that, you know, pre-spawn right at the beginning of the spawn to try to, you know, those are going to be the best, best evenings? Yep. That's when I like it. And, you know, I tell you what, looking at my schedule for this year already, that time is book solid. Oh, Everyone that has gone out with me knows if there's ever a chance to hit it big, I mean, if you go out on a charter with me, we're going to get on fish. But there's certain times, you know, when you hit the lottery and when the water temperature, the, the outside temperature, the wind, everything lines up. I mean, it's literally the perfect storm. And there was nothing that we could have done to not be on as many fish as we were on that night. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their Optimal Wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. You've mentioned a couple of times, like the scouting that you do like with that night you knew where the fish were you knew what the fish were doing um you're obviously very confident you say man if you go out on a charter with me we're gonna get on fish like that's you know you're not gonna go without without being on fish what does that scouting process look like for you um you know to ensure that quality experience for your clients but then also i mean because this is a passion that 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 you love as well like and making sure that you're on them for yourself. Like what does that scouting process look like? Yeah. So, I mean, there's always a certain amount of uncertainty when you go into the outdoors. I mean, I've had nights where you're, I'm confident and all of a sudden the winds, the wind flips, a cold front moves in and it's like you see 5% of the fish that you had the night before, man. So a, a, a typical scout, the time of year, um, in the springtime, I'm consistent on a few bodies of water and lakes and river systems. So it basically means me going to a lake, dialing in that lake or river, spending some time really trying to focus on that lake. Um, other times, you know, and it's really a judgment call. Other times it's five minutes at this lake, pack up the boat, drive half an hour, 10 minutes at this lake. 
And there's nights I'll hit seven to eight bodies of water a night to scout. You know, it's, it really depends on the time of year and all the factors that go into the outdoors, the, the barometric pressure that I don't really follow, but everyone says it affects, it affects fish. Um, the water temperature, the outdoor temperature, warm fronts, warm and cold fronts that move in. Um, but I'll typically spend a couple hours, you know, in the night before or the the nights coming up to a charter just to ensure that, like you said, I want, even if we don't get on fish like I thought, I want to be able to tell myself that I did everything that I could to give them the modified outdoors experience, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and walk away from that. You know, I've guard, guided for, it's going to be about four years now, four to five years now. And there's only been one charter that was subpar and that charter, they got a fish, but that was 20 mile an hour winds and just cold rain coming down, just a miserable night out on the water but they still wanted to go out and, you know, I gave it 110% and did the best that I could with what I had. And we still got a fish. Yeah, We actually still got a fish, but it was, you know, it just, it wasn't what it, what it could have been. And that's always kind of the, the, what I have to deal with as a guide is understanding that it might not, sometimes it might not be what it could be you know, yeah. or what I imagine it could be. Yeah. Tell me about, you know, you, you, you got a, a group in, what does a typical evening look like for you? Like, what is this, you know, if I go in and sign up for a, for a, an evening to fish with you, what does that look like? So we start, uh, fishing starts basically half hour after sunset. Um, we meet just before sunset. We, you know, take some pictures, get you acquainted with the boat with the equipment you'll be using. We go after, we go through our safety procedures and protocols. We review, you know, all the safety features of the boat, the equipment, and then we show you how to operate the equipment, get you fitted for what style of bow you want, your hand, your draw weight, your draw length, get you dialed in so you're comfortable, as comfortable as you can be. Um, After we get you set, we crank the tunes up, flip the lights on, and once we hit the lights on and we start fishing, that's when your four-hour mark starts. It's not when you pull up to the boat launch. It's not when we load the boat. It's when we start fishing. And that's something that I really take pride in is you're paying for four hours of fishing from the moment you start to the moment you stop. Um, so we, we hit it hard. You know? We, you know, we encourage you to bring water and snacks and stuff. Um, clothing appropriate for the night and we hit it. We hit it hard. We, I typically will have a deck hand with me to facilitate the removal of fish, um, operate the camera for your pictures and everything to help answer questions and point out fish. if there's any uncertainty um, and we, we hit the shores, my, my 20 foot custom boat, both of our 20 foot custom boats that we guide off of are specifically designed for bow fishing with a very large flat front that can dissipate as much weight as possible. So every person is right up in front of the boat. You're right in front of all the lights. I have a, I call it my sexy stick. 
it's a uh, it's a steering stick that has my my kicker, my throttle, clutch, um, steering, everything on it. So I'm in front with you. I'm talking with you. I'm steering the boat, controlling everything. We're we're talking about the fish. I'm pointing fish out to you, helping you with the aiming and everything. Um, and we go and we go hard and stuff and we, we push for the best experience. You know, we will maybe take a little break here or there if your shoulder gets sore or, you know, you just want to relax a bit. But, um, I mean, we hit everything from family trips. We love doing, we've done a few family outings where it's the mom and dad and a couple kids. Um, and then we go up to, we've done bachelor parties. We've done corporate outings. Um, it really is such a unique experience that I, I wish if it were up to me, everyone would try it once. I've had people that can't stand fishing. You know, they're, they're not a fan of it. Um, and once I get to tell them, it, it's usually guys that come out and they bring their significant others with them. And the gals are unsure. You know, they're just there to support. But once I explain to them how detrimental these carp and these other invasive fish are to the ecosystem they get like excited about it knowing that they're helping the ecosystem um they're encouraging and then all of a sudden they ask if they if they want to try if they if they can try shooting the bow or whatever so it's really cool to get to see that from people that you'd never think that they're going to be slinging arrows at fish (laughs) (laughs) next thing you know they're sucked in man uh huh. That's I tell you, man. That's that's all it takes for me. It was that first trip, and that that hook was set. Man. So let's let's talk a little bit then um, about sort of you know if somebody's thinking about maybe I, maybe I want to give this a try. What are some of the maybe struggles or difficulties? Like I remember the first time I ever went um, went trout fishing. I had a guide with me, and man, I just could not set the hook fast enough for these finicky little fish. Man, it just yeah. I could not get it. I mean, I'm, I caught a bunch of fish that day, but I also missed a bunch of fish and it was, it was frustrating. I had a great time, but there was also this element of frustration. Do you run into anything like that where, where folks are, you know, having a hard time aiming or having a hard time with, with a particular aspect of the, of the charter where, you know, maybe they can do something beforehand or at least just be mentally prepared. Like, Hey, this part is tough for people. And so I'm going in with eyes wide open. Yeah, I'm really glad glad that you mentioned that. So uh, a difficult concept to grasp with bow fishing is the concept of refraction. Um, I'm sure you've heard of it before. It's that principle of when you when you put a straw in your cup of water and you're looking at the side at the straw, it looks like that straw bends in the water. Yep. Same thing. You're in an aquarium and you're looking, and they dip a net down, and the the net all of a sudden is on an angle. So when light hits the water, it refracts, it bends, and it distorts the image underneath the water. So when you see that carp in the water, your eyes are lying to you. Where you see that carp is not where that carp is. So I promise you, if you're a seasoned archery guy and you're trained, you see the target, you aim at the target, and you hit the target, you're going to miss that carp 100% of the time. Mm. So with refraction, the light bends upward. So you have to actually aim below your target. Interesting. And the, the difficult part about bow fishing is it's not a set rule. We don't have sights on our bow that say use this pin 
and put that right on the center of the fish and you're going to get them. No, because it depends on, you know, because we have the lights penetrating the water, refracting and distorting that water. So it depends how deep the fish is and how far away from the boat the fish is. That all plays a factor on how low you aim. So there's times where if that fish is right at the surface, maybe you aim just below its belly. But if that fish is three to four feet down and far away from the boat, you're aiming four plus feet below the fish. Oh, no kidding. So it's, I didn't know it was that off. I'm telling you, there's times when I've taken people's bows and, you know, the, the saying is aim low, aim lower, lower than that. And when you think you've aimed low enough, aim a little lower. Wow. Now there's been times when I've had someone draw full draw and I'm watching them. I can see the, 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 you know, the projection of the arrow. I can see where they're going to shoot. And I take my hand and guide the bow down further. And they're like, now I'm like, Nope. And I keep pulling it down further. And I'm like, now, and they let go and they smoke the fish and they tell me, they say, if you would have like, when you told, when you kept pulling the down lower, the bow down lower, I thought there was, there'd never be a chance I'd hit this fish. Cause you literally can watch the arrow hit the water and bend outwards and upwards into the fish. That's crazy. It's, it's such a difficult concept, but that, that struggle and that, that challenge is very, very intriguing to me. And that's what I love getting to teach people to encourage them to just trust me. It's hard. It's hard. Cause your body tells you the target is right there. Aim right there. But, you know, being able to have them trust me and put that trust in me and be able to have it pay off. Now, I'm not saying you are going to stick 100% of the fish you shoot when you go out with me. I mean, heck, if you bat 5 to 10% on the boat for a first timer, you're doing all right. Okay. All right. So pretty low. Uh-huh. You're, you're not going to be, you know, obviously in the springtime you get on big fish, shallow water, your odds go up. Yep. You're probably swinging 50, 50 when you throw that arrow. But you know, if, if the fish are smaller, especially the gar and the dogfish, the sheep's head, the suckers, you know, it, it, you really have to trust what I'm telling you. And you just got to trust the science, you know? fights every every natural instinct in your body but you just got to trust it and it, it works out man do do experienced archers have a harder time than newbies i, I got like it just, i'm so glad you mentioned that it and just I, I feels like to that it feels like as a guy who shoot i mean i shoot my bow i mean all all year round right like i mean it's a it's just a relaxing thing for me i feel like i would have a really tough time with that would you believe me if I told you the people that have a higher success rate on my boat are the first time gals that have never bow fished before versus the seasoned archery pro that can dial in a 60 yard pronghorn target and just hit that 10 spot every time. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because they listen. You know, as, uh, I'm just thinking as a guy uh, that knows how to shoot a bow, so like, like I'm every probably I'm going to listen, but then I'm going to be like, yeah, but eh, it kind of seems like it should be like this. Yeah. And it's, I tell you, it fights. I don't, it's so hard to explain it unless you tried it, you know, 
fights every natural instinct in your body. So I would prefer the, I do a lot of work with women's groups, um, her wilderness, women of the wild, um, female only groups that, you know, encourage women to get into the outdoors. And I love those groups, man. They, they listen to me. I tell them aim lower and they aim lower and all of a sudden they're shooting fish. Man. And it's like, man, if only, if only them, them seasoned archery guys could, you know, but it's with anything, your muscle memory, you're trained, yeah. you, you have that experience. And to fight that, the longer you do it, not how I tell you to do it, you know, it's, it's crazy. It is, it's truly an experience. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I joke that guys don't listen and, you know, part of that can be true, but if you do have experience with a bow, you just mentioned muscle memory there. Like that's going to be the hardest part of it. Like, even if you're saying like, Hunter, man, I, I, I believe you, I agree with you, <laughs> but like when I draw a bow back, like this is how I've aimed for, I've been shooting in compounds since I was 15, 16. Right. Like, this is how I've been aiming for 20 years. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, my, my brain is just going to, short circuit everything you just told me and I'm going to do what I'm used to doing whether I want to do it or not. Right. So man, you've got an event coming up, uh, here pretty soon with the Wisconsin fishing expo. Tell me a little bit about, uh, what's going on there and kind of what folks can expect, expect if they want to come check it out. Yeah. So for those of you that are kind of interested about this and would love to talk one-on-one with me and get to know a little bit of my, a little more about bow fishing and the, you know, the activity that it is, I'll be at the Wisconsin fishing expo at the end of February here. It's the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 24th through the 26th of February. Um, I'll be doing a few seminars through the weekend specifically related to bow fishing. One is just beginners similar to what we discussed getting started in the activity, how to get yourself started in it. Um, and then I have another one on Sunday that's a little bit more advanced towards tips and tactics using Google earth to kind of pick your spots. Um, but don't be, you know, if, if you can't make the Friday seminar for the beginners, I encourage you just come and sit on the, the, the Sunday seminar few points over your head with the advanced stuff. But I promise you, if, if you're a sponge and you can absorb some stuff, there's going to be so much information I'll, I'll spill out there. Man, um, that, that's awesome. So I'll be, I'll be there with, with my charter boat. I'll have my 30 foot guide boat, 20 foot guide boat there in our, in our booth, right by the bumper boats. If you, if you see the bumper boats, then you'll see my bow fishing boat. And then I'm, I'm going to have a right on the back side of that wall. I'm going to have a big, huge, um, bow fishing display set up. So we're going to have donated by AMS bow fishing. They let me rent out their boat display. So it's a front half of a boat, bow fishing boat with the lights on it and everything and carp targets, guard targets and a shooting lane. So kids 18 and under can come there, bring your kids, bring your, your niece, your cousin, bring someone out there and for free of charge, we're not charging for this. They can hop up on the boat with our equipment and we can be with them and we can, you know, help them and they can throw through, throw a few arrows down range at these carp targets with the bow fishing bows. You know, we have them all cranked down right to the, the perfect weight. We can talk bow fishing. We can talk guiding. We can talk 
about really whatever, but I'm going to be there all weekend. And I would love to get to hear from some of you guys when I'm down there. That's awesome. And that's in Madison. Yep. And at that, um, it's the Alliant Energy Center, the big, huge expo center in Madison. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, guys, you definitely need to go check that out, man. How does your schedule look, uh, look in April? I'm coming up to do a little turkey hunting that uh, first week of turkey season, like April. My goodness, what is it? Like, I think the 17th or 18th is opening day of turkey. Uh, yeah. yeah, 19th. So, what, man, what are you looking like there in April? So, for the guide service, actually, let me look this up because I don't want to give you false information here. <laughs> well, um, and, and as you're looking it up, maybe tell folks, like, what they can expect if they call you today, tomorrow, something like that, and say, hey, I want to get on your schedule. What's your schedule looking like? Yeah, so if you guys, um, really the best way to do this is hop on my website. My website is modifiedoutdoors.com. I actually have a live calendar right on there. Okay. So, you know, if, if you, you know, you're not really ready for a phone call and talk to me, just hop on the website, get a little more information about it and see if there's a day that would work for you. So April, I have one day left in April, the 27th, that Thursday. Oof. Man, so you're I have open. Holy cow. I don't have, I have two openings in May. Oh my goodness. And the first three, two weeks of June are booked. And then I have a few openings for the rest of June. So we've got a few openings still this spring, but you know, like I said before, at any point in the year, if you want to wait till July and it's warm and you can wear a t-shirt and shorts out on the boat, I'll get you on fish. Doesn't matter the time of year. We're we're gonna we're gonna get on some fish. Awesome, awesome. Well, Hunter, man, thanks for your time. So, folks can go to your website, modifiedoutdoors.com. Uh, where can they find you on social media and all that good stuff? Yeah, um, Facebook, Instagram, everything is at Modified Outdoors Bow Fishing Charters. Um, if it was if it was up to me, I'd say hop on the Facebook. We do giveaways, promotional deals. We uh, give away swag packs. We we give away charters just randomly. We'll donate a charter to somebody. Nice. A um, lot of stuff like that. And if if you are involved in an organization that'd be interested in modified donating a trip, we do quite a bit of those with different um, organizations, churches, school districts to help a fundraising event. Um, so we'll do that. If you, if your kid is in, um, are you familiar with WIFA, the ice fishing for high schoolers? Yep. Yep. So, um, a few high school organizations are a part of modified. I run with them. We do charters through their outdoor program in their high school. Um, a few in the area. So if, if your high school kid is interested and he wants to bring it to his school, have them give me a call. I would love to set up some more high school trips. We give a crazy discounted rate. Um, it's it's truly an experience. And for kids, it's, I mean, it's a great bonding experience. Some of these kids have said it is like the highlight of their high school career is the one trip they went on with Modified Outdoors. <laughs> man, very cool. Well, Hunter, man, thanks for your time today. Guys, definitely go check out the uh, Wisconsin Fishing Expo stop by at least introduce yourself hang around for one of the seminars and uh, see what this is all about appreciate you coming on man yes sir thanks josh appreciate you
That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.